0: This is In Conversation from Apple News. I'm Shamitha Basu. Today, how to learn to love running. Martinez Evans was not a runner the day he decided to train for a marathon. It was 2012. He was working over eight hours a day on his feet, and he started to feel pain in his hip, so he went to go see a doctor.
1: He looks at me and says, I know why you're in pain. Me? Okay. Well, tell me why I'm in pain. You ain't put a stethoscope on me, you ain't touched me, you ain't do anything. Hmm. And he was like, you're fat, and you need to lose weight or you're gonna die.
0: Martinez weighed 360 pounds. He was used to doctors zeroing in on his weight before anything else, but still, it made him furious.
1: And you know, he goes on to tell me, you know, you have this stomach as a pregnant woman, you need to start walking, go buy walking shoes. And I was like, skip all that. I'm gonna go run a marathon. A, being sarcastic, but also being facetious. And he laughed at me and told me that was the most dumbest thing he has heard in all his years of practicing medicine.
0: Martinez left that appointment, drove past a running shoe store and pulled an illegal U-turn to buy his first pair of training shoes. A little over a year later, he ran his first marathon. Not a lot of people believed in Martinez when he started. Even race day staffers assumed he wouldn't make it to the finish line, but he gradually built up confidence and even found joy in running. And he thinks you can too, no matter where you're starting from. Martinez wrote all about this in a book called Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. It's informed by his experiences and studies in exercise science. A mix of practical training, nutrition tips, and ways to reframe your mindset to take on big races, but also any other kind of big challenge. But let's go back to that first day with his new kicks.
1: So... I get these running shoes and I go home to my fitness center in my apartment complex. And I'm inconveniently sandwiched between two gazelles. You know the type of people I'm talking about. You
0: said gazelles? (laughs) Gazelles. Two serious runners. Two
1: serious runners. Okay. They are running effortlessly on the treadmill, they're running fast. I looked over to my left. This guy is going 10. I looked over to my right. This guy is going nine. Uh huh. I haven't been on the treadmill in years. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if these guys are going 9 and 10, I can at least go 7. And 15 seconds later, I fell off the treadmill.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the sound my body made was deafening. And I was mortified. And I was embarrassed. And the gazelles on top of their perch of their treadmill looked down at me and was like, hey, bro, are you okay? As they continued to run. And I grabbed my stuff and I got up out of there. So with tears in my eyes, you know, the words of the doctors going back and forth of like lose weight or die. I reach out to the doorknob and have this tattoo on my right wrist and it says no struggle, no progress. And it goes to the famous 1857 speech, uh, Frederick Douglass with the same name. Mm. And I remember being like, you know what? I got to go through the struggle.
0: So how did you... I mean, it sounds like you pushed yourself to start in a really intense, what if I go from sort of zero to 10 way, Mm -hmm. but how did you really get into it? How did you start establishing a running practice for yourself?
1: So this was very hard.
0: It's hard for everybody. (laughs) I'll just, I'll say that it's hard for everybody.
1: Big facts. So it, it was very hard, but the first couple of weeks, it was more of just getting momentum. Yeah. So go out on the treadmill, run 30 seconds the next day, run a minute. And then I continue to run just a little bit longer each day until somebody told me about Couch to 5K. So I started to do Couch to 5K. Oh,
0: the app. Yes. Yeah. I've done that once before. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've tried you know, doing that. Yeah.
1: There's a bunch of apps called Couch to 5K. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's interesting about this app is like, you know, week one, day one, it's like, all right, we're going to start off with a, a slow 10 minute mile pace. And being like, what? (laughs) This is for beginners?
0: This is slow? Yeah. (laughs) Like you
1: expect beginners to run a 10-minute mile?
0: Right, right.
1: So I go throughout the program. Also during this time, I'm looking for coaches. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking Mm -hmm. for people to try to coach me as well. And no one would take me on as a client.
0: Why? What would they say?
1: Most of the time, these individuals will say, you know, Well, I think you should lose some more weight first. I never had a client that large. So, like, what if you get injured? I don't necessarily want to be responsible for you being injured, so on and so forth. Mm. So come back to me when you've lost some weight and maybe we can work. But you at this size, I'm not comfortable with coaching you.
0: Wow. So no one had experience with your starting point, basically. Yeah. 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 So tell me, at that stage, why were you running? Was it still about, you know, proving that doctor wrong? Was it about losing weight at that point?
1: It was a mixture. A, proving that doctor wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I had dreams and aspirations of, like, shoving that metal in that doctor's face and be like, in your face.
0: (laughs) A lot of spite running was happening (laughs) in that stage. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, But weight loss was also, like, a part of the journey when I initially started We fast forward about 10 weeks from me meeting the doctor. I'm at the start line of my first 5K.
0: That's not that much time, actually. 10 weeks? Yeah. You stuck with it. That spite running really got you there. Spite
1: running really got me Uh there. And I line up behind everybody. I thought I was so slow that I lined up past the walkers, past the individuals in wheelchairs, past. The moms with strollers with dogs attached to them Mm, mm -hmm. and nothing against them. But I thought a mom or two with a golden retriever attached to her stroller was going to beat me in a 5K. That's where my confidence in running was. Mm. And the gun goes off and I started passing people and started passing the moms and the walkers and slow runners. And that's when it hit me like, oh, wow, like I'm really a runner. I'm doing this running thing. And I crossed the finish line and I had like this biggest smile on my face of like, it it hit me like, oh, all this time, you know, I was second guessing myself and being like, you know, I don't know if I'm a runner. Oh, I'm a runner now.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you run this 5K. You're a runner now. How did you get from there to running your first marathon?
1: So it was a very methodical process. Roughly 18 months of like training. Ran a 5K, ran about three or four of the 5Ks, started training for a 10K. Ran a 10K, ran two or three of those. All right, I'm going to start training for a half marathon. Ran a half marathon. I think I ran two or three of those. And like that was the end of the year for 2012. Mm-hmm. January 2013, I signed up for the Detroit Marathon. I look and say, okay, I have about 10-ish months. So let's train. I had like three or four different training plans that I was using at one time to get me here because I felt as if not one was suitable enough for me.
0: What were you Um, looking for?
1: I was looking for something that was like, okay, I'm going to build up two and then go back one. You might look at a typical training plan and say I have four runs a week. Okay, during those four runs a week, one of them might be like you run for six miles and then you run for like eight miles and then you run for 10 miles and then you got to do your long run. And I remember being myself like, so like I got to run all of these miles during the week and do this long run. So I just felt like I wasn't suitable for that. I think what I found out through this is that what felt good was like the mileage, or even the training plans that gave a little bit more grace. And I didn't necessarily see one out mm-hmm. there, so mm-hmm. I kind of just made it up myself as I went along with this training journey. Yeah. yeah,
0: You had to find it for yourself, yes. basically. Yeah. So tell me about that first marathon.
1: Okay. <laughs> so we had the start line of my first marathon, Detroit Marathon, October 2013. I am excited. I'm hyped. I'm feeling good in the first half. And then around the second half, I start to, like, feel it. And I, I come into contact with this gentleman who is running, but he's just start walking. So I'm thinking to myself, well, let me try to give him some type of inspiration because this is inspiration that I need for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm talking to him. And I'm like, hey, guy, you got this. And he was like, I know what you're trying to do. I'm done. Waves down this bus. Um, And it's called a sag wagon or sag vehicle. And it's short for, like, supporting gear. So he gets on the bus. He drives off, and then I continue to go, and the bus comes back alongside of me, and he's like, hey, big man, you want to ride to the finish line? And at first, I was like, no, I'm like, I'm okay, and he's like, all right, I'll come get you on the next go line, and I didn't pay it no mind, but I was like, okay, and then like mile after mile, it was, hey, big man, you want to ride to the finish line? Hey, big man, and it got to the point where I was at mile 25, I'm less than a mile away, and this bus comes alongside of me again. It's like, hey, big man, do you want to ride to the finish line? And I just blew up. I blew up on him. And I was like, why do you keep asking me this? Like, why are you trying to, associate to doubt, but like, why are you trying to get me to quit?
0: I'm so close. Yes, I'm yeah. so close. Yeah.
1: And he goes on to say, you know, I can't help that you slow and fat. I'm just trying to help you out.
0: Ooh, that's what he said. Yes. How did that hit you?
1: I just told him, leave me alone. I had some other colorful words for him that I'll choose not to say mm-hmm. here. And then I finished the race, and it was just this storm of emotions. You know, the fact that I overcame this is my first marathon, and still I had this dude who was like taunting me along the way.
0: Yeah, he saw you and made a judgment. Yes. Yeah. Now I know, following that marathon, you got into a pretty major car accident.
1: Yeah. Ended up being around about seven to eight months that I didn't run. And all the weight that I had lost, gained it all back, felt sorry for myself, got sad, got depressed. Just was really in a dark hole. And this is one of the reasons why I changed the way I think about running.
0: Mm. It
1: was because of this particular car accident. So I remember going to therapy and you know, talking to the therapist and being like, you know, I've lost over 90 pounds, right? But I wasn't 90 pounds happier. Mm. And, you know, the therapist is like, well, what made you happy? And I was like, running. And like the process of running, like all of the minutia that came with running, like that's what I enjoyed. Running races, slapping fives with people, giving people thumbs up and like the whole of race experience, like that's what I enjoyed. That was fun. That made me happy. And, you know, he was like, well, what would you do if you're able to run again? And I was like, well, if I'm able to run again, I'm not going to focus on weight loss. Like, I just want to run and I want to run if I'm 400 pounds or if I'm 150 pounds. I just want to be able to run because hmm. that was the thing that brought me joy. Yeah. And, you know, eight months after that car accident, I was cleared to run again. And I kept that promise to myself.
0: What was it like getting back into it?
1: Oh man, it was hellacious. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> yes, um, it it was very hard because first you're you're down, so you're not active for eight months, and so you have this battle that's going on within. So you have the battle of like your head is telling you, oh, like you need to be this far. Like you ran a marathon, you you need to be there. And then you have your body that's like, no, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are so far from where you were then.
1: You, yeah. You're, like, yeah. You, you're so far away from where you were. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a constant battle in itself.
0: I mean, you're laughing your way through that, but I think that is one of the most, you know, off-putting parts of the whole process yes. to a lot of people, right? Feeling like you, you know, what do you do in those moments where you feel like you've lost progress? Yes. Yes. And And trying to, motivate yourself all over again.
1: It took me about a year or so to like really find my groove of stopping and starting and somewhat injuring myself and getting back healthy to really get back on track of running again. Yeah. But it was the commitment that I made to myself of, I'm going to do this because this is what made me happy and there might be some obstacles along the way and that's okay because I'm doing the thing that I really want to do.
0: mm. So let's talk a little bit about what specifically is in this book you wrote, Slow AF Run Club, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. And I like the way that you put it in your book. You say that running is about you versus your mind Mm -hmm. versus what's on everyone else's minds.
1: Um, (laughs) You versus your mind versus everyone else. Yeah. I think that's what happens as a person of size or someone who's typically trying to get into a sport. And this happens all the time with people that I coach. It's literally them. So it's you trying to get off the couch. And then all the thoughts about you trying to get off the couch. Oh, i let myself go. Why did I do this? I wish I would stay with it. Mm-hmm. I was better in high school. All this other stuff, right? So that's you versus your mind. So you're combating against that, trying to figure out, like, all right, how do I talk to myself in a nicer way so that I feel good about, trying the sport or restarting this sport again. Yeah. And then you got the thoughts of other people who were looking at you. So it's like, oh, now that person's looking at me. Or you got the guy that's like lose weight, get faster. Or, you know, the wagon when I was running the race of like, hey, big man, get on this bus, like quit. So then it's like you got those people about you. And then you got your thoughts about those people as well of like, oh, like, it is true. Like, even the people confirmed it. Like, I am slow and I, I've let myself go and so on and so forth. Yeah. And that's a, a big battle to have as a beginner runner or a restarter in a sport. And I think, like, that is the biggest hurdle that we need to overcome just to go from zero to one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's your top-of-the-mind advice for people on battling their thoughts and battling their ideas about other people's thoughts.
1: Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about a uh, battle in their thoughts. Mm-hmm. So in the book, I talk about naming your inner critic. So we all have an inner critic as a part of us. And most of the time our inner critic is in our voices. So it's like, now it's you telling you, oh, you suck. Oh, you, you're a bad person. Oh, you left yourself to go away. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I learned was, well, if you give this inner critic uh, a persona, a voice, You know, a backstory that then you're able to separate those thoughts of you and put it in the shell for me. My inner critic is named Otis. I named him Otis and he's a drunk uncle who smokes packs of cigarettes to say, like, you know, (laughs) you know, this is an uncle that may say crazy stuff, but you're old enough to like stand up to this drunk uncle to say you're drunk. Go sit down yeah. somewhere.
0: But that's Otis. That's yes. not me. That's not me. That's Otis. That's Otis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it, it goes with the notion of like not everything you think is true and not everything you feel is real. So if you can Ooh, say that, that
0: one more time, nice and slowly, that's a good one. To n- Not on.
1: everything you think is true and not everything you feel about yourself is real. Huh.
0: And if you do some more hard work to assign those things to the inner critic, mm-hmm you can also find your way to
1: separate those separate thoughts and feelings away from those two and really understand that like, oh, these are just feelings. And just like anything else, mm. these two things are temporary and they will pass.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that's the inner critic. What yes. about the, the outer critics? Because that can really change a person's experience if they're thinking a lot about other people's judgment.
1: So my favorite thing is practice delusion delusional self-belief.
0: Delusional self-belief.
1: Delusional self-belief.
0: Okay, so what's that?
1: So everything is impossible until it isn't anymore. Imagine Thomas Edison being like, I'm going to light New York City. And somebody's like, what are you talking about? We're going to have these little gas lights and this this candle, and that's going to be it. And he's like, no, I'm going to light New York City. And then he goes on to do the work, and everybody thought that was impossible. Flying. You think you're going to fly with the birds?
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you say it that way, it does sound preposterous, right? But somebody had to to have the mind to say it can be done. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Me, right? I'm going to run a marathon. Sometimes you have to be delusional with yourself to say, I'm going to do this, even if no one else believes into me.
0: Mm. Where do you think you got this permission to be delusional from?
1: So I I grew up in a very rough neighborhood and very tough times. So I grew up on the east side of Detroit in a very tough time, right? Um, Before the age of 10, I had two brothers pass. Mm. And I remember being younger and family members would tell me, you know, if you don't act right, you're gonna end up just like your brothers. And me being like, I'm not gonna end up like my brothers, watch me, right? And not necessarily knowing what I was going to do to do that, but I found a way. I started playing football, and I end up getting a scholarship.
0: So you have a long track record yes. of putting your mind to something and really executing it. Yes. And, and that's important to say, right? And I, I, I'm sure that people see themselves differently mm-hmm. in terms of that, you know, having that drive or not. And... I'm also sure that most people probably underestimate the amount of drive they have.
1: So I think as we become older, we kind of tend to forget that all of this stuff is made up, (laughs) (laughs) right? Somebody else made these rules (laughs) and it's up to you to subscribe to them. Mm. Say we had a baby here who was trying to walk. The baby might get up, may take a step, but like fall back down. We ain't gonna be like, you suck, baby ah, in your face, I knew you couldn't do it. Like, bad. That's what you get for falling. We're going to be like, no, like, come on. Come on, baby, try again.
0: Yeah, we know to do that with with young children, to encourage them. But somewhere along the line,
1: you get adults, and it's like, in your face, I told you you can't do it. Mm. Ah. And it's more, for me, really just trying to get back to that whole notion of, like, what would happen if we took the beginner's mindset And took the joy in going through the process Mm. versus being like, oh, I have to do this. These are the milestones that I need to get. And if I don't get to these milestones, I'm a bad person. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you, Martinez, about my own relationship to running, (laughs) which I mean, it's non-existent is really like the (laughs) shortest way to tell that story. But I'll, you know, I'll download an app and I'll kind of start and I'll get into it and I'll like make a playlist and I'll get like very excited about it for, you know, a month or two at a time. And then it just falls off for me. And I think it's because I feel a little aimless. Mm -hmm. Like I lose track of my why. One thing that really strikes me when I hear you talk about running and in your book is that you propose like what if running was about joy yes and I think that that's actually a very radical idea when you think about it that way when you frame it that way what if you stop making it about getting faster losing weight all the things that people often make running about and what if it was just about joy
1: yes I think it's very radical because for the traditional sense Everybody thinks exercise equals weight loss, right? Right. So with me having this degree in exercise science, I understand that there's so many benefits to regular physical activity. So, yes, you may lose weight, but consistent running or exercise is better for your heart rate, your blood pressure, your A1Cs, and so on and so forth. And my thing was, what if the world just took weight loss out of regular physical activity period Hmm. and just made it about these things and joy like would that cure this epidemic that they say that we have in with you know physical activity and i think for a lot of people we focus on this number on the scale like oh you need to lose weight the bmi score and all this other stuff and it's like well you need to lose weight by diet and exercise Hmm. and then they do it and it's like well they may have lost some weight they may not but then they gain it all back, and then that's like, ah, oh, it never worked. Don't do it no more. But my thing is like, we all should just be physically active. Yeah. Period.
0: Right. We know too much yes. about the benefits.
1: <laughs> we know too much of it, and, and I think that's the, the the radical part of it is that I'm just trying to get people joy and to continue to move in spite if they lose weight or not. Yeah. And that's more or less my approach, and just really getting people to understand that you all got to just find something that's enjoyable to you to start moving and all the other stuff will follow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's your advice to people who want to love running? They think they should love running and they just haven't gotten there yet for whatever reason.
1: (laughs) Um, I would say it's okay. You may not have the love for running or you may have a love hate relationship with running. But one of the things I would urge you to do is to take some of the, comparison out of running my notion is that comparison is the thief of joy and if you want to have joy you can't have comparison Mm. so start there let's take the comparison out let's not worry about you versus trying to get your personal best let's not worry about you trying to beat your friends let's just be and just see what being and just running looks like Mm. start there Mm.
0: Martinez, thank you so much for coming in, for talking to me, and and for writing this book. Thank it's been you. Really fun to talk with you. Thank you for having me. Martinez Evans' book, Slow AF Run Club: The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run, is out now. We'll link to it in our show notes page. If you like conversations like this, please follow Apple News in Conversation on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for listening.